When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and penultimately the writer of the Betches Up newsletter. Uh-huh. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and hopefully still some video <laughs> contributor. Girl, you know, any video idea you got. Yes. Bring it to us. Bring it to us. Bring it to us. Uh, we're back. We're back on Tuesdays, our old stomping ground. We were mm-hmm. off yesterday, but didn't want to because we have so few uh, reactive episodes left. Didn't want to do a pre-record for today. Wanted to react to the news. And boy, boy, is there news. But if you have not been listening to this podcast, um, well, excuse me, why don't you think about that? But if you have not been listening <laughs> to this podcast... You might have missed that. This is Millie Elise's last week with us on the podcast, and we will be going on a hiatus uh, for the rest of the year at the end of this week. As we announced in our announcement podcast, we will still sneak back in with some emergency episodes if some crazy stuff happens, but um, just notifying people at the top of every episode so you're not like, what what the hell happened to that podcast? Are they okay? Did they drop off? Did they get into a huge fight? No. No. We're good. Have they been taken? Have they been taken? (laughs) There was a moment right before we started this podcast where Elise did not realize she was in the room, and Sean and I were shouting at her. Like, are you okay? What Literally, because I my headphones were not connected, so I didn't realize that like we had come. I had been removed from the waiting room, and I'm just like literally typing away, sending my little emails. You were and, being perceived unknown for like and, five. And minutes. I know, which is terrifying. <laughs> it was genuinely great. so scary. Well, Ugh. I like to think that my um, CIA agents that watch me through the little camera on my mm-hmm. computer know that I'm always being perceived mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, enjoy mm-hmm. watching me Absolutely. work. <laughs> Sometimes we'll the say- ASMR of your nails, I'm sure, is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the biggest story in the nation over the weekend was not the imminent shutdown of our federal government. No, it was the fact that Taylor Swift had a date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a second, I was like, oh, I think something Millie might be held up. Elise and I are the only ones that care about Taylor Swift. Should we just start? <laughs> Well, you know, there is a lot of discourse on Black Twitter over Travis. Oh, tell us. Because all of Travis's exes are beautiful, voluptuous Black women. And now he's dating Taylor Swift. And there's been a lot of discourse Mm -hmm. about that. 
that you know doesn't mean anything but uh like you know whatever i mean it could mean something i mean i am sort of in the camp that everything she does is calculating and this Mm. is an elaborate performance that is leading somewhere i would like to believe she just like likes the dude i love this for her just kind of like a basic uncomplicated man please girl come come our way but no i don't i don't know i think i think she's doing this for uh, has ulterior motives whether it's like to take attention away from sophie which would you know that would track if travis's type is not normally like a five nine pencil stick but apparently like in who weekly's t- episode mm. today they shared a clip of travis's podcast that he has with his brother <laughs> where he yeah. talks about the friendship bracelet at the heiress tour and he's like i want to put my number on my on the front on the bracelet and his brother is like oh you mean your jersey number and he's like you know what number I'm talking about. So I feel like he he's went been interested. With, he's been interested. We'll see. And he's a very what? beautiful man. Yeah. He's a very beautiful man. Somebody said it's giving the couple from the other two, mm-hmm. Rick and Lance. I would say, you know what? I had a certain type that I used to date for a long time. <laughs> and then, you know, somewhere it switched. You know, I used to only exclusively date Asian men for the longest time. And then... I opened up and allowed myself to get disappointed by men from all races. (laughs) And so can you, Travis. This is America. What a diplomat she is. I will say, because my husband would be very upset if I did not put this out there, that he came to me with a prediction months Mm. ago. He said she will date a football player next. Ooh. Danny. and, and, And here she is. Now, he was actually thinking, because Aaron Rodgers was spotted at the Eras yeah. that perhaps she would end up with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers with but A-Rod. He, but he did say... <laughs> why A-Rod? Why, why A-Rod? <laughs> I, I feel like she got her, like, scummy, skeezy guy situation out with the Maddie Healy of it all. I don't yes. think that she needs necessarily Aaron Rodgers... I don't, uh, also don't think she wants a super injured man right now. She's out well, and out. You know, whatever. But also, that's a good prediction because Aaron Rodgers was at the Tonys this year. So, like, musical. I don't know. I don't know if Taylor's a musical theory girly. But you know what? I'm going to say this. Aaron Rodgers and Ariana could be something. Just saying. I will say, I think what's going to be a problem is that I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers remains unvaccinated. So I don't um, know if he's like allowed on tour with anybody. <laughs> like, I think that well, that might stand in the way. He said that he, I feel like we still are in the phase where he said he was immunized. And then it came right. out that like that <laughs> didn't like that, that meant that he had like sat in the sun or whatever. I mean, he actually famously sits in the dark, but. Right. There was the meme when he hurt himself that it was like, that conservatives were tweeting like it's the vaccine the vaccine tore his achilles well they say that every time there's like a car accident or like a building like there it was a vaccine the vaccine kills Mm -hmm. (laughs) i saw some very funny ones that were like oh no aaron Rodgers tore his acl we have to consult joe rogan like (laughs) we have to figure out how to heal this (laughs) but anyway i'm happy that it's travis kelsey and not aaron Rodgers. yes Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm curious to see where this where this goes. I will continue with my theory that she was doing this to get some attention off of Sophie Turner for the weekend because there was some like kind of dirtier stuff happening. But from Amanda, I know. I want the best. Maybe like she probably just like had a free day and was like, 
this guy's so hot and probably very strong, and it's been a while. I am sure that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, n- yeah, but you're like, no, she's. Really I know taking, Sean's laughing. She's <laughs> taking the the heat off her friend who's going through a tough divorce <laughs> mm-hmm. because she is the social job. And afterwards, her and Travis went to a homeless shelter and gave up. Like, who am I going to really- talk about this to for the next two months? Me and Sammy slack about this most of the time, so I guess yeah. I don't need I don't need a microphone. But I, I as- love that you answered your question. <laughs> if you want me to. Start Start just a, a, a solo Taylor Swift podcast. Um, I'm sure. Let me know. I'll read Someone's, those three DMs you know later. Probably going to be way more popular. <laughs> and have more fans than Girl, sh- yeah, thirty five thousand people registered to vote in a day. Tell me about it. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right. I guess we'll now get to uh, news of national significance that doesn't uh, involve Taylor Swift. So today's number is 147 because that's how many days ago the writer's strike began after the studios initially refused to even seriously negotiate the idea that writers for TV and movies should make a living for their talents. The union members' resolve and five-month sacrifice has paid off. The Writers Guild of America says it's reached a tentative deal with studios that secured most of their initial demands, which is amazing. These include increases in compensation for streaming content, concessions from studios on minimum staffing for television shows. Is that mini rooms? Like yeah. no more mini rooms? Thank yeah. you. No more and guarantees awesome that AI technology will not negatively impact writers' compensation. So apparently AI was kind of one of the final and most difficult sticking points to smooth out, which as we've discussed, makes sense. I mean, these studios love the idea of just not having to pay actors anymore. This deal finally emerged after the really big head haunches at the studios came to the table themselves. That included Bob Iger of Netflix, Ted Sarandos of Netflix, and David Zaslav of Disney. I think David Zaslav is Max. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bob Iger is Disney. Oh, uh, you're Randos right. Oh, my God. I got them. <laughs> Did I get them all wrong? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Put the Mad Libs. No, you only, you only got – you, you know, switched. Bob Iger of Disney, Ted Sarandos of Netflix, and David Zaslav of Disney. Discovery, um, discovery, yeah, discovery, <laughs> Warner Discovery. Uh, you guys, I'm in the background working on a massive secret project for SUP that is gonna murder me. I'm going to die. It's very <laughs> exciting, and it will probably be out in the world uh, next week. I am grateful that it is keeping me from mourning and crying all the time that I'm losing you two. But that is why I am a little unhinged today and got yeah, literally well, all those Amanda, facts wrong. Of all things, not knowing that David Zaslav does sure. it is the CEO of Discovery. 
it's okay. <laughs> just negging. Yeah. I actually intended to neg David David's as love. Yeah. So it's totally guild fine. members are now going to vote on whether to accept the deal. And it's interesting because everyone on the WGA side has been, it seems to me, super effusive, emotional in a good way over the victory. The studios are so butthurt. Like the WGA released a you know long statement saying like how this was such a hard-won victory. And uh, the studio simply stated, the WGA and the AMPTP have reached a tentative agreement. That, that was it. That was the extent of their enthusiasm. So two questions for, for y'all in the biz. What does this mean in the immediate term? What types of programming might we see resume? And I'm sure you guys are talking to you know your colleagues and peers in the industry. How are people feeling about the ultimate kind of deal? I think that because of the, the projections that I've heard is that because they still, everyone has to vote and it has to get ratified and everything. So the earliest projections are saying like by Thanksgiving, because they still need to negotiate the SAG strike. The Drew Barrymore show, honestly, like talk shows where it's like not actors, like non-scripted, like dancing with the stars and all of that can probably resume production quicker as soon as the WGA, but it's still going to take a while. But like things like that can, where it's just about like, even though it's right, technically unscripted, quote unquote, right? Like Drew Barrymore, Dancing with the Stars, they all have scripts. It's all WGA yeah. work, but those don't have SAG work. So non-SAG productions can start earlier. And the prediction for SAG is Thanksgiving, which I said already. And um, in terms of like feelings, like everyone's feeling pretty victorious. The reality is like in a negotiation, no one's going to leave 100% happy. But the fact that they've gotten concessions from studios that initially were a non-starter, like staffing minimums and stuff, which, again, we've talked about a lot about, you know, they're asking, you know, streaming is asking for two people to write mm -hmm. 10 episodes and all that. So these are it's a tremendous victory. Yeah, it's really it's a very like David and Goliath story. That's really, really, really cool because these companies had a really, really hard stance for a long time. They were basically, I mean, there are those leaks where they were like, we're going to starve you out. We're going to make you lose your homes, et cetera, et cetera. And they did have to come to the table. I don't think that they would have come to the table with the WGA if they were not prepared to make an equal number of concessions to SAG. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see exactly what the SAG deal looks like, but I imagine we're going to see some similar things. Like, I don't see why they would concede residuals to the WGA and then hold them for SAG because the whole point is to end this strike and get back into production. And they can't do that if SAG isn't there as well. So mm -hmm. my guess is we're going to see a similar type of deal for SAG, some protections on the AI front some changes to how residuals are done. One interesting thing that I heard that we might see just as a change in television generally as a result of this is because they have gotten rid of these mini rooms, we might see a lot of shows returning more to like the 22 episode format, like mm. shorter shows, longer seasons, wow. because they have to have larger rooms in general. So that's just one thing that I heard that is interesting. I'm not sure how that will shake out, but we might actually see some changes to the structure of TV shows and how seasons work 
as a result of some of the stuff that the WGA has won. And, and just one more huge victory is the bonus structure or the residual process for really successful shows. So example, like basically what would happen is if you wrote on a show like Wednesday, what you got paid was what you got paid and then it's like an international sensation. You wouldn't get paid a cent more, but now they have um, what they were able to negotiate is like a structure. Still shady because, you know, famously streaming doesn't share like how many people watch anything or this and that. But if it's incredibly successful, like House of Dragon or Game of Thrones or Succession, they those writers will get a bonus or like some kind of residual for, you know, successful streaming shows. So it sounds like, I mean, at the at the outset of this strike, it was like really a fundamental question over if people that wanted to, had the talent to dedicate their lives to writing for TV and movies, that that should be something that you can make a living out of. And it seems like that is now, like, it seems like it's a totally different future for some people in the industry. Let's hope so, Amanda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, you both are like, that's what it on. would seem like, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the trepidation. Yeah. I know. It's interesting because I'm like, no one gets everything that they want, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, the WGA did have to concede certain things. And, like, I'm not exactly sure, like, how everything stacks up to, like, concessions versus what was asked for and this and that. But I do think that the big overall things were gotten, which was, yeah, a change in the pay to compensate people for a super successful streaming show. Like if you write for Bridgerton, you should get Bridgerton money for that. Mm -hmm. um, like protections for AI. So basically like you can't outsource scripts to AI. You can't replace writers with AI, that kind of a thing. And then the changes to the number of writers that you can have in a room was also a big one because when that contracted that meant that there were just way less writers on staff there was way less room to like move up within a writer's room too mm -hmm. to like start as just a staff writer and then become move up along the chain and become a showrunner and all that stuff like a lot of those a lot of the like pipelines to creating your own show had been going away because of those mini rooms and just the fact that like they were having just two people write an entire show. So hopefully with the return of all that, we're going to see the a lot more stability in the career. And hopefully that's what actors are able to win for themselves too. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about the idea that shows might get shorter because I think we know from the last season of Ted Lasso and pivoting Sex and the City to end just like that, longer is not better. I don't no. know. <laughs> some things should, like Some things I'm like, this is too much in the season. I don't know. Well, that's exciting. And like you guys said, um, the the SAG strike is ongoing. So that kind of, you know, elongates the timeline on the resumption of a lot of shows. And I was just thinking reading this, it's like, oh, Drew, I just waited like two more weeks. Two more weeks. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unforced oh, yeah. error from Drew. Exactly. She really should have just. And what's interesting is like, I, you know, I know people in the industry or whatever, and I had heard like, Rum I'm I'm not as well connected as Drew Barrymore, if you can believe it. And I had heard rumblings like that we were in the final stretch for like at least two weeks now. So I'm like, why doesn't why didn't Drew have access to this information and know to just chill for a second? Like I've heard of people who are 
have worked on shows and stuff, especially in like the production side, who started hearing about a week ago from their higher ups, like, we think this is going to come to a close soon. If you're traveling, if you're not in the area, maybe start thinking about coming back, like, Mm. et cetera. So there have been rumblings that this was going to end fairly soon, like for a while. So it's just interesting to me. I don't know who is on Drew Barrymore's team and is giving her information, but they did not have her back in this situation Mm -hmm. at all. They did not have her back. It was the Kelly Clarkson show. (laughs) So it was planted there. Yeah, literally. (gasps) Meanwhile, Kelly's busking in Vegas. Oh my God. Yeah. Drew, she will be okay. This will be, this will be a negative, a negative blight. Are men okay? Yeah, We don't know, but Drew, no. Drew's been (laughs) better. Drew has been tremendously better. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're a certified B cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. Next up, we will go to our main news, government shutdown. We will go through this briefly because I just think that when we start talking about the shutdown, I know when I start hearing about the shutdown, it just sort of all becomes, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher. It it all sounds the same. But as we said last week, this is coming up very quickly. No huge changes. The shutdown is a mere five days away. And I know I'm being like casual about this. And if you work for the government and rely on government services, like so many people in this country, it's bad. It's it's a bad situation. Mm -hmm. It sucks. 
um, it's become increasingly clear that Kevin McCarthy can't get any sort of spending proposal out of the House of Representatives without a few Democratic votes. God forbid. God forbid. God like, forbid short- <laughs> he work with the Democrats a little bit on what on on a small number of votes. Grab what like, we don't like. There's some in there we don't like. Well, isn't the anti-abortion guy still in there? Surely you can get him. Henry Cuellar. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's Nancy's, yeah. Nancy's best. And probably still pro-gun too. Yeah. You can find somebody. Like surely there are something that 218 members can agree on. There's like a problem solvers caucus made up uh, of a bipartisan group that I think is, you know, making some suggestions along those lines. But as we've discussed, if Kevin McCarthy settles for any type of legislation that would invite Democratic votes, he could likely get voted out of his job. And that's because in order to get elected speaker, Kevin McCarthy agreed to restore the ability of any one member of the House to offer what's known as a motion to vacate the speaker's chair. That would trigger a House floor vote to oust the speaker. And Matt Gates has been pretty vocal in, about his willingness to offer this motion should McCarthy allow a bill out of the House that the far right faction objects to. And the far right faction is like all is most of them at this point. So Kevin McCarthy is kind of in this interesting position right now where he's weighing whether he'd rather keep the government functioning or keep Mm -hmm. his job, which is a bad position for all of us to be in. I have a question. Okay, so, yes, they would be able to. And maybe none of us know the answer to this question. I think maybe Kevin McCarthy isn't sure of the answer (laughs) to this question. And that's how we ended up here. But. Yeah. Okay. so they can have this motion to vacate, but it's not like there's anyone I feel like then it just goes back to the same weird situation where we get put in this voting loop and no one else could be the speaker who has the vote. So I'm kind of like, maybe if Kevin McCarthy is like, I'll work with Democrats on a bill, couldn't he be like, but you have to vote for me in this speaker's thing? Like, yeah, it'll be embarrassing if they hold this vote to oust him. But what is the does he actually lose his job from that? Because who then gets who gets put in? Well, exactly. Good question. A speaker has never been ousted as a result of a vacate to motion the chair. It would take a lot for that vote to actually succeed. Like there's been like attempts and it's not just that vote. There's been a bunch of votes after like, do we actually move forward on this or do we table it? So it can be one of those things like I think what we might see is Matt Gates sort of bring up this motion, them decide to table it. And then it's just this looming thing over Kevin McCarthy's head. Because they did try. It already is. They did try to do this. They did try to do this to John Boehner. The motion was tabled or it just like never actualized into removing him. But it was more to apply pressure. And it was a huge embarrassment. And and we know that John Boehner's political career did kind of cease after that. But it was almost a different time in politics. The type of things that were really embarrassing in the Republican Party now are kind of reported. So they're getting fingered at Beetlejuice now. So (laughs) yeah. Shit's change. But so who becomes the speaker right away is that if if McCarthy, if somebody is ousted, apparently when somebody becomes speaker, they give a short list to some special Congress document holder of potential successors. And if he's ousted, the top person on that list will take over and then they will preside over the vote to replace the speaker. So we have a step between like Kevin McCarthy, like there's already somebody sort of lined up to succeed him, but then immediately we're going to go back into that vote to find somebody else. And so it's just going to slow down. You know, we're not going to be any closer to getting the government funded. I don't know if there is a Republican that would that could do it. Honestly, like somebody that both the far right and the moderate, which I'm like, there aren't that many moderates, but they exist and they're not going to be happy to get like a far right person either. So I'm just like, okay, call them on their bluff, Kevin, like peace out. Yeah. If they had a good alternative, they would have raised that before the 15th vote. 
Like, that's why it had to go because they have nobody. So they, they have nobody. So then, yeah, just like call them on their bluff, Kevin, and be like, yeah, okay, right, replace me. I think that's what he's doing this week. But what happens when the government shuts down? The federal government wouldn't be able to pay the hundreds of thousands of workers who carry out its basic functions. Other workers uh, will be furloughed or go without pay. Like some people are forced, like you have to go to work. You just don't get paid until it ends. Some people are furloughed. And like I was just thinking like student loan payments resume on October 1st. And that would be the same time that the government shuts down. Like just just imagine being an underpaid government worker sent home from work, no paycheck that you know of for weeks being asked to pay your government student loans. So So ridiculous. A lot of military personnel are going to be the ones that are sent home. How will this affect you? It it depends who you are and what government services you rely on. You know, you might not clock the ways you rely on the federal government on a day-to-day basis, but but we Mm -hmm. all do. You have family members that get social security checks. You might be waiting for your passport to be processed. Air traffic controllers are federal employees. You think TSA is grumpy now? Imagine a TSA worker. At who 5 a.m. who hasn't been paid. I am worried for all of us. That's going to be tough. Well, as you may know, I am in the middle of a Madam Secretary watch, binge watch, and season four, episode four, is where they go into the government shutdown episode and they just show, I mean, it was just really good in like Ooh, I'm gonna helping watch that later. me understand like Everything that happens. So basically, the chief of staff of the secretary, her son is in like Burma or something or Myanmar, and he got this girl pregnant and they want to come to the US, but they can't get their visa approved because the government work or like because of the looming shutdown, mm-hmm. like everyone's trying to do shit. And it's like, okay, if you're working for the government, you're not going to have rent. Right. The trash is overflowing and like national parks, people can't visit. There's economic fallout. I mean, it won't be too bad if it only lasts a couple of weeks. Something I was reading that's kind of interesting is that this is kind of because the fiscal year is ending, there's going to be like there's some numbers that are due out that a lot of finance people make their projections based on. And that's where all of our money comes from and our 401ks. And if they don't have the if the people whose job it is to write that report are not able to do it, things are going to be slowed down. In a protracted scenario, it would diminish GDP by about a tenth of a percentage point every week. But like Millie said, it's the people, it's just those, like we, we, we rely on the federal government in a lot of ways, some people to a greater extent than others and in a much more urgent sense than others. And it's just like so gross that like, like our water could be less safe because the inspections could be halted. And, and Kevin's isn't just that like- so cool that like Matt Gates is in charge of that? <laughs> yes, yeah. literally. Literally. Someone who doesn't give two shits about any. It's what's so ridiculous is that I'm like, the people who caused this, I mean, I guess probably they're like senator and congressional salaries are delayed, but like, they're, taking they're the so type. Much yeah, they, I know exactly. I think I mean, Bob Menendez needs the money. Right. Well, well yeah, I mean, Bob Menendez has uh, cash sewn into his coat for just this occasion, but like, it's from it's, his savings, guys. <laughs> Who doesn't put their savings we'll there. in the we'll lining of their we'll coat? We'll <laughs> when it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef? 
homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. All right, next up in main news, Bob Menendez. Got to talk about Senator Bob Menendez. The 69-year-old Democratic senator from New Jersey was charged Friday with secretly aiding the authoritarian government of Egypt. He also tried to stop criminal prosecution. This is a Democrat. He also, it's so, the corruption is just like textbook. He also uh, tried to stop criminal prosecution of a friend, this businessman who he has like sacrificed his entire reputation to help protect in exchange for gold bars and cash. And he took some actions to, again, enrich local businessmen in exchange for just lots of financial favors. The wide-ranging corruption took place while Menendez was chair of the extremely powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And among the many allegations, the prosecutor stated that uh, Senator Menendez took steps to secretly aid the government of Egypt and provided non-public information to Egyptian officials. His wife was also charged and played a very prominent role in the corruption. So let's let's run through some of the allegations in the indictment. So in 2022, the FBI raided Menendez's home and found about $500,000 in cash. Uh, the bills were stuffed in clothing and closets, a safe, and in one picture, a jacket from the Congressional uh, Hispanic Caucus with like little labels on <laughs> the outside of how much money is in there. And as Millie alluded to, Mendez maintains that the nearly half million dollars in cash hidden throughout the home was just for emergencies. Mm. Law enforcement also found over $100,000 in gold bars. Mm -hmm. Menendez had Googled, quote, how much is a kilo of gold worth a day after making a sketchy trip to pick up something at an airport while he was in communications (laughs) with these businessmen about how to help them. This man is a senator. He's senator. He sits, he was in the hearings about Google, TikTok, all of these things. They supposed don't get it. And he's Googling his crimes. <laughs> Menendez is also accused of getting prosecutors to drop a case against two defendants in exchange for a $15,000 down payment on his wife's Mercedes. Not even a full Mercedes, just the down payment. And these defendants helped organize some financing. Sprinkle, sprinkle. He helped, he helped, yeah, he helped the same defendant <laughs> monopolize Halmal meat exports from Egypt in exchange for that specific benefit. The businessman paid $23,000 in late mortgage fees for the Menendezes. Damn. The senator also secured $300 million of military funding for Egypt in exchange for like a cushy no-show job for his wife. Finally, oh, the, the way he earned that was that he completely wrote a letter on behalf of Egyptian officials to the Senate to voice support for freezing military aid, but he basically wrote it. My initial thought from reading this is this is so much corruption to undertake for what I think is a relatively small amount of money. If you're going to go all out with the corruption, if you're going to sell your country out, if you're going to give state secrets, if you're going to enrich another country, I'm doing it for, I need, I need 10 million. I'm not doing it for less than 10 million. So what is this like totaling to a $1 million? For, you're going to, you're going to do that. I mean, the $15,000 down payment on the Mercedes was what kills me. Do corruption better. Have some have some gumption. Be like, you know what? I'll do this for you if you pay for the whole Mercedes. It's disappointing. It's embarrassing because you know a Republican would have been scoring much more for this. And look, I'm not saying I wish Menendez did it. I'm just like, really, for that, for that amount of money. But you know, times are tough. Times are tough. 
that's a lot of money to me too. I'm just like saying to do to do something that crazy and legacy defining for like for 50k on a Mercedes, you're still going to have to pay for every month. I don't know. Could never be me. Twenty three thousand dollars in late mortgage payments. I mean. He really needed it. Yeah, they were that's doing true. bad. They were doing bad. So, like, I get it, Amanda, but also, like, you're you're starting from negative twenty three. Yeah. So if he's up by half a mil, I think a win's a win. I guess, but still, I also feel like this money was uh, delivered in a very New Jersey way for it to be presented as gold bars, as <laughs> giant wads of cash. I think the Jersey took over on that mm-hmm. and he like entered sort of his Sopranos era and he's like of course I can't turn down a bunch of yeah. gold bars and I will say it was, this it wasn't for the money it was for the love of the game it yeah it was it was as as a New Jersey resident I think you have to accept gold bars in a duffel bag that are presented to you at an airport like just mm-hmm. culturally you have to accept that Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I will also say, because I know I shared my family immigration story on our last episode, that Bob Menendez is a Cuban guy from Union City, New Jersey, and my parents <laughs> went to high school with him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the day and, after Elise shares specifically her family's origin story as New Jersey Cubans. Yes. And I was Googling it. I went on Wikipedia. His His mom... Worked in an embroidery factory, the same as my grandma. So they were they were literally the same deal. And I did text my mom about this. And this was what she had to say. She said, I said, have you heard about Bob Menendez? And she said, this is all one sentence. What a thief. I did not hear the latest update. Maybe he will need to resign. He was tortured by one of the biggest thieves, our Mayor Musto, who was in jail for years. <laughs> and I did Google it. And so, yeah, he used to work for the Union okay. City Mayor Musto, who was mayor like the entire time my parents lived there. And he did go to jail for years. So Mayor Musto. Mm-hmm. Mayor Musto as well. Musto. So uh, he comes through a long line of receiving gold bars, cash payments, convertibles. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the way that I heard about this was like Amanda texting the group chat being like, did you hear about the Menendez um, <laughs> indictment? And I'm like, what did the Menendez brothers do now? <laughs> what are those motherfuckers do Why now? is Amanda texting me about it? <laughs> and why is it? No, I was like, damn, like they, cold cases or some shit happened. They're back. No, it They're is back. instead 69-year-old Bob Menendez, senator from New Jersey, and his wife. I don't know. My first reaction was just like, just do if that corrupt. I think you're right. They were down bad. Like if you you have like maybe he was like about to lose his house and was like, okay, this is the easiest way for me to get 23k. He says he did uh, nothing wrong. He's not going to step down. He's being really defiant. He says, um, you know, I'm going to let a jury figure this out. I think what's like encouraging him and making him feel bolder in that is that he has been acquitted on some corruption charges in the past. Or I actually no, he wasn't acquitted. I think it was like deadlocked or something. Yeah, I don't the know. jury couldn't. He was acquitted in the sense that like. The jury did couldn't reach a unanimous conclusion. I forget what that's called. A miss. Mm-hmm. It's not a mistrial. It was a hung jury. It has emboldened him. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. Exactly. And so he will ultimately go to trial. He is up again in 2024. He basically it has not said that he's good. He won't step down again. He says that was for emergencies. I did nothing wrong. I will. A jury will acquit me. I need. Let me go through the criminal justice system. 
reactions to this, it took senators. Senator John Fetterman came out right away, said he's got to step down. Uh, Many New Jersey politicians, including Phil Murphy, pretty urgently said this is too disturbing. These allegations, he he simply can't remain in power. But it took a lot of other senators a minute to kind of come forward and say the same. Cory Booker didn't until today urge the senator to resign. Uh, Joe Biden hasn't yet. Uh, Menendez is up for election in 2024. Like I said, and he's got some worthy challengers. New Jersey has a Democratic governor. So I believe if Menendez were to step down, Phil Murphy could appoint a replacement, and that would make for a super interesting race in 2024. One person in Bob Menendez's corner, George Santos, who was apparently <laughs> asked about this. Two Latino men that they're trying to take down. Because Men- Menendez also said that. He was like, they're trying to take me down because I'm a Latino. And he <laughs> was not like, during her Hispanic Heritage Month. <laughs> during Hispanic Heritage Month. And AOC had to come out and be like, no, I don't think. <laughs> That that's right. <laughs> the dollar bills sewn into your congressional Hispanic caucus jacket. I mean, <laughs> listen, there's something to be said about colonizers stealing gold and all that. Yeah. But we don't have time for that on this up. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, you know what? They say George Santos has no integrity, works, you know, off of being slimy. And, and it's just like, I mean... I don't know. This is pretty inter- like pretty bad. I mean, we can't. I'm honestly surprised. It, it's so interesting because there have been some Republicans. I think I saw this morning, like Tom Cotton, the senator, was like, you know, let Menendez, you know, let Menendez like go to trial, let a jury decide. This is so, 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 so much worse than anything Hunter Biden is even even the wildest accusations against Hunter Biden. But they're like. Let Democrat New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez lay off him. It's just, it's so transparent. Well, the thing is that they don't want Menendez's nudes the way that they want Hunter Biden's nudes. So that's really, when you accept that that's most of the accusations against Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden is people asking for his nudes to be released, then it all makes sense. And it's a very clarifying perspective. Absolutely. All right. Finally, today, are men okay? I think I think we already know the answer overall, but we're going to discuss one more. Greek Prime Minister. All right. I'm going to try this once. Does anyone know how to pronounce this? Absolutely not. I normally don't do this like, oh, I can't pronounce it, but I really, I really will get this Kyriakos. so wrong. It's Kyriakos Mitsotakis, recently called climate change, an opportunity to expand our tourism season. Bad. This was part of a conversation, to be fair, about how climate change could threaten tourism in Greece, particularly if temperatures become intolerably high. And the Greek prime minister, he did acknowledge that possibility. He was like, we have to contend with climate change. But then he like tried to try to make light of it and noted that, you know, increasing temperatures would actually elongate the warm season. I think he was on Bloomberg. So it was a very like businessy interview. Uh, maybe maybe prime ministers don't need to be acting like economic analysts. The comments yeah. were very clumsy and also extremely hurtful, given that Greece has suffered deadly wildfires and floods in recent months. So what do we think? Do we think this is a like aggressively bad statement indicating that this man is not okay? Do we think it was just a clumsy attempt to be a little funny on TV or is it is it absolutely no no grace or forgiveness required this man is not okay? I think it was very a very clumsy bad joke and I think it's just tacky because some people don't take climate change seriously enough and like aren't even acknowledging that exi- that it exists. So for someone to have this kind of attitude about it can be really hurtful because yeah, like you know, people aren't changing their behaviors quick enough to contend to the imminent threat of climate change and this guy wants to make jokes. 
Because he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And also, like, yeah, as someone who's going to Europe this week and having a European vacation and swimming and shit in October, like, (laughs) shit's off. Spooky season. Spooky season. But also, I mean, if we're comparing this, I mean, apples to potatoes, but I'm just like. We've had worse men. Well, I'm talking, well, the men who sold gold bars in his coat. I yeah. Mean, just one story above. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the issue is that, like, th- this guy's okay, and that's the problem. He's not really <laughs> seeing that other people who were victims of, like, literal floods and fires in Greece that affected people who were there for tourism, like, those people are not okay, but because he's okay, he can be, like, key, key, key and make Right, like, imagine if Ron DeSantis and... said this. It would yeah. be. Oh, yeah. I he mean... would say it. I mean, he he's two seconds he from saying it. He probably has. He He'll probably say it tomorrow. Has. We have a debate tomorrow. He'll say yeah. it. <laughs> I'm mean, too woke. We do have a debate tomorrow, and it will be Elise's, Elise Morales' song. She has generally offered to live tweet and meme tomorrow's tomorrow's debate, the last political debate she will ever set her eyes on. No. Yes. And mine, <laughs> she, I'm taking a break until the general. I'm taking a break until the general. Hold me to it. If you see me on Instagram saying I'm watching the debate, call me out. Call me in. Call her in, call her in. Be nice, be nice. I'll say, um, I think it was Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal that did a really, really interesting article about Vivek Ramaswamy's like first millions and uh, hint, hint, insider trading. It's given insider trading on that. So yeah, so what we're learning from this is our Millie not taking a break. She's going to be, she's clicking every, every single link. That is our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.